body and blood of Christ. Prayer Psalm 147 Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion. For he strengthens the bars of your gates. He blesses your children within you. He grants peace within your borders. He fills you with the finest of wheat. He sends out his command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. He declares his word to Jacob, his statutes, and ordinances to Israel. He has not dealt thus with any other nation. They do not know his ordinances. Praise the Lord. Reading the Word First reading Deuteronomy chapter 8 Moses said to the Israelites, Remember the long way that the Lord your God has led you these forty years in the wilderness in order to humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commandments. He humbled you by letting you hunger, then by feeding you with manna, with which neither you nor your ancestors were acquainted, in order to make you understand that one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Then do not exalt yourself, forgetting the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrible wilderness, an arid wasteland with poisonous snakes and scorpions. He made water flow for you from flint rock and fed you in the wilderness with manna that your ancestors did not know to humble you and to test you, and in the end, to do you good. Second reading, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a sharing in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a sharing in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Gospel John chapter 6 Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate, 
and they died. But the one who eats this bread will live forever. Hearing the word, the bread of communion. The second Sunday after Pentecost focuses on God's nurturing presence among his people. The Israelites first experienced his guiding and sustaining presence on the journey from Egypt to the promised land. After exiting Egypt and crossing the Sea of Reeds, the people entered the desert where they faced death and starvation. But the Lord quickly manifested his concern by miraculously giving them bread from heaven called manna. Exodus 16. This nourishment was a visible sign of God's presence and ceased only when the Israelites entered the promised land and ate the crops of the land of Canaan. The people's passage through the inhospitable and empty land was made possible only because they were nourished by the bread given by God. As the end of this difficult journey, just before crossing the river Jordan, Moses reminded them about this and exhorted them never to forget it. Remember the long way that the Lord your God has led you these forty years in the wilderness. Then, by feeding you with manna, with which neither you nor your ancestors were acquainted. However, manna was not simply a food to satisfy physical hunger. The whole experience of being nourished by God was meant to teach the people to trust in God's presence and protection. God commanded that the Israelites could gather only as much manna as was needed for a single day. It could not be stored or kept for the future. In this way, they had to learn to obey God's word and trust that he will provide for them day after day. In the words of Moses, they had to learn that one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. There is a great contrast here with the first people who in the Garden of Eden ate the fruit against the word of God. Israel, in order to be God's faithful people, had to learn obedience in order to be continuously nourished and experience the presence of God. One of the problems in the Corinthian community was that some of its members participated in banquets where meat was served which had been sacrificed to the false gods in pagan temples. For some members of the community, it was not a problem because they understood that there are no other gods but the only one true and living God. For them, eating food sacrificed to non-existing idols was not a betrayal of faith. Paul, however, insisted that those who had this knowledge and internal freedom take into account the effects their actions might have on some of the other members of the community who were weak in faith 
and might be scandalized or discouraged. He insisted on the priority of love over individual freedom, stating that knowledge puffs up but love builds up. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 The Corinthians were to manifest mutual responsibility and sensibility towards one another, even in matters of food. Yet, there is something even greater at play when it came to the communal meals in the community. Paul reminds the Corinthians that during their common meals, they participate in the Lord's Supper. This celebration makes them a community because there is one bread. We who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Sharing the community meals makes them one with Christ and with one another. Paul strongly emphasizes that their table fellowship is not just about eating food, but about sharing in the blood of Christ and in the body of Christ. Repeating it twice, he wants to make them keenly aware of the unique character of this meal, which joins them to Christ and, through him, to God. Worshipping the Lord and being nourished by his real presence in the sacred meal should not be confused with other banquets, but, in fact, it decisively excludes them. Belonging to Christ, Corinthians must flee from the worship of idols. The image and language of meal and eating also dominates chapter 6 of John's Gospel. It begins with Jesus performing a sign, feeding a huge crowd gathered at the shore of the Sea of Galilee with only five barley loaves and two fish. On the following day, the very same people excited by such a feast enthusiastically follow Jesus to Capernaum perhaps hoping for yet another free meal. This is an opportunity for Jesus to instruct them on the deeper meaning of his mission in the world. He begins to talk about the food which he provides. He points out that they should not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life. John chapter 6 Some of them then recall the gift of manna, which their ancestors were given in the desert. In response, Jesus explains clearly that he is the living bread which has come down from heaven. The gift of manna which the Israelites enjoyed prefigured Jesus himself who becomes the new manna nourishing us for eternal life. The insistence of Jesus on eating the bread which he identified as his flesh creates doubts and confusion amongst the Jews. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus quickly dispels the confusion, explaining that eating his flesh and drinking his blood is a symbolic way of saying that a person must become one with him. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me, and I in them. This unity is achieved by faith in him, and its outcome is eternal life. In his own words, So, whoever eats me will live because of me. Moreover, the person united with Christ becomes united with God himself. The first Christians, reflecting on these words, 
surely came to understand that the Eucharist community meal, the breaking of the bread, unites them to God, to Jesus, and to one another. This unity will continue even into eternal life. All this is made possible by Jesus, the true living bread. No wonder that the Eucharist became the center of Christian community life. Both the first reading and the gospel show that the right way to receive the manna God gave to the Israelites and Jesus' self-offering as the bread of life is through trust and faith. In our present life, such a response means eating, being united with Jesus. Through living the life of trust and faith and partaking in the Eucharist, the faithful are brought into communion with God through Jesus. It also, as St. Paul reminded his Corinthians, unites the faithful as one community in celebrating their Lord, who himself offered his flesh and blood for the life of the world. Anyone who shares in it receives the promise of eternal life and can rejoice in that unsurpassable gift, exalting God for his gifts with the words of the psalmist, Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion. Listening to the Word of God This Sunday's theme invites us to reflect on our faith in the real presence of Christ in the Blessed Sacrament. The core message from the readings of today is about Christ's self-gift to us. He gave us His body and blood so that we may have eternal life. He also assures us that He will raise us up on the last day. Through partaking in the Eucharist, we are in communion with Jesus Christ and God the Father. It is very hard to grasp with our minds what Jesus meant in saying, For my flesh is really food, and my blood is really drink. But when he said, Do this in remembrance of me, he clearly indicated that Eucharist is not just an ordinary meal as we share at home. Rather, it is about his real presence and as such a great mystery. The celebration of today challenges us to believe and have faith in Christ's presence in the Eucharist and to publicly offer him honor, respect, adoration, worship and thanksgiving. As Catholics, we consider the Holy Mass the highest form of prayer. Each time we attend Mass, we are invited to partake from two tables. The first one is the table of the Word, and the second table is the Eucharist. God nourishes us spiritually in these two ways. The word Eucharist means thanksgiving. We thank God for the sacrifice of His only begotten Son. During the prayer of consecration, which repeats the word of Jesus Himself, ordinary bread and wine are transformed into the real body and blood of Christ. The Blessed Sacrament is truly, fully, and really the body and blood, soul, 
and divinity of Christ. Each time we go for Mass, we ought to be prepared to receive Christ in a dignified manner. St. Paul admonishes us to examine ourselves beforehand and receive Him worthily. When receiving Christ, if we are not in proper communion with God and our neighbors, we bring judgment on ourselves. For this reason, many of us are weak and ill, and some have died. Some of us receive the Eucharist because everyone else does, and without a proper disposition. Some come to receive the Eucharist chewing gum, some with dirty hands. The Church teaches us that only those who are in the state of grace should receive Holy Communion. The Eucharist should help us to live well with people around us, to learn to say sorry and ask for forgiveness from those we offend, and to be reconciled with God and our neighbor. As Africans, traditionally we give reverence to our kings and chiefs. The feast of today summons us to give adoration to Jesus, the Lord of all humanity. Carrying of the Blessed Sacrament in the procession, which takes place today, means showing Christ's presence among us, to show Jesus who has come closer to all who are thirsty, suffering and overburden, the sick and the marginalized. We are called to share in the bread of communion and go to witness to Christ's love within our families, communities and the world at large. If we participate in sharing the body and blood of Christ worthily and allow ourselves to be transformed by the graces we receive, then we are in communion with God through Christ. In the Eucharist, the Lord is present with us to the end of age. The one who eats alone cannot discuss the taste of the food with others. Action Self-examination do I receive the Blessed Sacrament in a dignified manner? Do I examine myself and go for confession, if necessary, before receiving the body and blood of Christ? Does the Eucharist transform my life and help me to relate well with my family, community, and those I encounter daily? Response to God I promise and make a personal commitment to God that in the course of this week, I will prepare myself well before receiving the Eucharist and spend a few minutes in adoration before the Blessed Sacrament. Response to your world In response to the Word of God, I will be more attentive when I go for Mass and partake in the Bread of Communion worthily. As the group, we will organize an activity that will help to increase our faith in the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. It could be an hour of adoration before Blessed Sacrament or a workshop to teach about the significance of the Eucharist for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for offering your only begotten Son 
as a sacrificial lamp who takes away the sins of the world. We glorify your name and give you honor and adoration for the precious gift of the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. Help us to become what we consume and radiate the graces we receive to all humanity. We ask you to keep us in communion with our Heavenly Father. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.